Welcome back to the Definitely Not Definitive podcast. I'm Ken. And I'm Bethany. And today we are going to go over Iron Man 3. Um, if you haven't already, please check out our YouTube videos. Uh, yeah, and so we'll, we'll dive in, into this one. Um, we, we rank all our favorite nerd movies, and we start with the Marvel Universe, the MCU, and we have our own little scoring sheet that we created um, that we made available to you to you can download and print it off, but we also made it available online. So, like, you know, I know not everyone wants to maybe print it off and, you know, fill it out like we do, but you can you can fill it out online as well. And um, you post the scores on our comments and the videos, and uh, your score helps affect uh, the rankings for these because it'll affect the score of each 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 movie. Yeah, we really would love to hear what you have to say as well. Um, we have our own opinions on these movies, but because we are total nerds, we love debating and discussing the different points and kind of what goes into the making of a great Marvel movie. Yeah. So our first category is our lead male and lead female likability. How likable is Iron Man and how likable is Pepper Potts? So for both of these, I gave them a score of four, which is I want these two in my inner circle of friends. I thought that uh, Pepper Potts has come way up in the world in terms of my admiration of her as a character. She's far more interesting in this one. She's uh, brought back the witty banter and repartee that she has with Iron Man, uh, I should say with Tony Stark. And she's just a lot more confident and on equal footing this time around versus being the sort of subservient assistant that she's always been in the past. I gave Pepper Potts a three. I thought she was badass in this one. Um... I didn't quite give her uh, a four. I'm trying to think of, of why I didn't really... I think it's because I liked Iron Man more than I liked Pepper Potts. So I wanted to rank him higher. I'm not sure. But, I mean, all the everything you bring up, I mean, she probably would be a good person to have in, in your group of friends. Uh, I thought so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you thought so. I mean, I give Iron Man a four. Because uh, I think that, you know, you said it, talked about it in the video, but now he cares about more than just himself. And, you know, he even talks about it. Like, one of his things is, like, you know... I gotta figure out how I can protect the one thing that you know I can't live without, and he's like, and that's you. Um, and that goes obviously into the love story as well. But so he he grows up more in in this one, and he you know. For sure, I mean, I think in the in the previous Iron Man's, he had the superhero ego, but he was missing the superhero heart. Uh, we saw moments of it come through, but it didn't seem to be perhaps who he was on an everyday basis. And he has kind of grown up and. Now we see that he does care about more than himself. And, you know, yes, he has this amazing legacy and this amazing, uh, a massive wealth and therefore power, but that at the end of the day, that's not what's most important to him. Next up is our lead male, lead female bang ability. Uh, so once again, the male character in this one gets a zero from me. Uh, Tony Stark's, he's great in this one. I really like him, but just, you know, the sex factor, the sexiness isn't, isn't there for me. Uh, I gave Tony Stark a score of five. He's getting the highest I have given a hero thus far, which is this might be more than a bang. Um, he's more than just a fun personality and great looks. He's kind of the full package in this one. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he, I, I can't argue with that. You know, given more than a bang, that's that's five. That's that's all right. That's all right. I'll, I'll accept it that you've found another boyfriend. So for Pepper Potts, I gave Pepper Potts the highest score I've given a female character so far. I gave her a four. I said, you know, that this leads to some morning sex, shower sex, thanks, see you later sex, because uh, she's sexy in this one. Um, she's always been beautiful, but now she is also uh, someone that just, I don't know, exudes a 
confident, sexy vibe uh, that, and I, I maybe it's also because of her relationship with Tony Stark or or, or whatnot, but um, you know how protective of him that she is. Uh, you know, she's like how she's willing to fight for him just as much as he's willing to fight for her. Uh, you know that that's always sexy as well. Um, so yeah, so she got a four. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you nailed it with the confidence, and uh, I would also just say her strength, not just uh, on a physical level, because of course she does don the superhero suit and breathes fire and kicks butt in this one, but um, just her inner strength. Her does she ever breathe fire though? Um, she doesn't, but like she like you know is like she has the extremist, the yeah, she has, or, she has the extremist or whatever, or whatever uh, thing going on inside. So I guess at one point she probably will be able to breathe fire, but I don't think she ever truly breathes fire. Yet. Right. Um, and that's not why I rated her at four. I was like, all right, this shit can breathe fire. Damn, that's hot. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think I think you got it right. It was it was the confidence for sure, and uh, I also just thought her her strength was something I had picked up on. Um, I think that's what I meant by like you know the protectiveness of it. Yeah. It was like, I think it was like that was that was like what I was talking about with, with, with strength, you know. Exactly. Uh, so I, I actually gave her a score of one, uh, which is you know may- maybe if I'm drunk enough, it's possible. That one really surprised me because I didn't think Pepper Potts would ever get in one with you. Like you always, because I mean you kind of like I don't know if you'd really trashed her the first two uh, Iron Man, but I mean you just said that she was kind of boring and you know just not interesting and. You know, sweets not sexy. I think is one of the was what you said in one of the other videos. Uh, yeah, she she just in previous ones. Uh, I mean, in the first Iron Man, she at least had a little bit of sassiness with Tony Stark, which gave her. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like a little something there, but um, she had really kind of seemed a little vanilla and a little Type A and and just a little bit, just kind of square and and like mm-hmm. tight. Um, and she's loosened up, and it's a much better look on her. Next up is lead male and lead female relatability. So how relatable is Iron Man and our potentially fire-breathing pepper pots? Well, for Iron Man, I gave him a zero. I kind of took this out of uh, your playbook from Avengers, where you said you want your superheroes to be you know, far superior than you, and I feel like that's what we get with, with Iron Man. Um, but also, it's one of the things... It's weird. I gave him a zero in relatability... But one of the things that I like about him is the fact that he's not like he has a flaw now that uh, is is more. It sounds weird. He's a flaw now that's more relatable in the fact that he has his anxiety attacks, and um, you know he doesn't have that that confidence and swagger that he's had all, throughout this whole time. But I think the fact that he's able to overcome that and still be this amazing kick-ass superhero. Is is what makes him so so great in the, in this film, and it's like okay, yeah, you know, maybe we've had that that those those moments where like you know maybe you've had an anxiety attack before, or you know you just had something that's you know been been traumatizing, and you know we all have to try to overcome that, and a lot a lot of people can overcome that, and you know a lot of people try to try to deal with it the best they can but you know they can't go ahead and just you know macgyver shit out of a hardware store to kick the kick crap out of out of people um so the fact that you know in one sense he was relatable but in another sense the fact that like you know because they gave him something a flaw that was not just a physical weakness like with the palladium sickness i don't like the palladium sickness i thought that was a forced flaw yeah it seems kind of contrived and just unnecessary but uh yeah, so I, get, I, get, I ended up giving him a zero, I don't, even though sometimes my logic isn't always on point. But I think I liked him more because he had a flaw, but, I, you know, 
but I just relatability wise, he still seemed a little bit kind of out of reach for like a normal person. Well, I think sometimes too when we are ranking these because we we rank them during and immediately following watching the movie. So sometimes it is a a knee jerk gut instinct or emotional response. So um, you know we we see these things and then we think, yeah, you know what, he just he was too perfect. He wasn't quite relatable. And then in, in hindsight, we can go back and, and logic our way out of that. But we try not to change our scores based on those logical things because the feeling that you get... We don't use logic when we score our movies. It's not like that. It's just the feeling that you get when you're in the audience is that's what has been created by the film. That's what, hopefully, if it's been successful, the, the actors and the director and all the special effects teams and everybody else were going for. So if you then go out to dinner and like, talk your way around to a different opinion, that's not what you had there in the moment when you were seeing it and actually experiencing it. And I know, at least from my rankings, I try to stay as true to that as I can, which admittedly, sometimes I go back and I think, wow, this was a wrong a wrong choice or a poor choice. But the point is, that's what we felt at the time when we saw it. This is actually a very similar to Thor. Um, I give Thor a zero in uh, his first movie. And then later on, you know, I came to realize that's like, oh, actually, you know what? I kind of related to him but I related to him in, a, in his bad qualities, not in his good qualities. You know, and the three says that it's the best parts of me, at least I think it is. Because, you know, we, when we see a character on screen, we want to relate to them, especially in a superhero movie. We want, we want to, you know, we want to see the best in ourselves and we want to relate to them in that way. So, you know, sometimes the flaws, though, are what, what we can relate to because, you know, we all have them. Um, and it's kind of nice to see your superhero have some flaws. Uh, so, you know, maybe like going forward, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind when I'm, when I'm ranking somebody. Like, you know, just also look at their flaws, not just the best parts of them, but also the worst parts of them. And, you know, are some of those worst parts maybe like I've had those at, at times as well. So, but yeah, so I give him a zero and I give Pepper Potts a two. Uh, I think that, you know, she's, she reminds me of, of some people, some friends and family. I gave them both a one. I said, uh, I know some people like that, but I wouldn't necessarily call them friends. Um. I think both of these characters had uh, an element of of relatability that brought them at least into into this world out of the suspend your disbelief into the Marvel world. But I just didn't get a huge uh, connection to them in terms of relatability that I was like, yes, I've been in the torture chair having some dude inject me with fire or, you know, I mean, there was a there was a degree of it that was just. They were, and this might sound a little bit weird, but seemed kind of more adult. Yeah. In a way, like dealing with being the head of Tony Stark Corporations and traveling around as a business CEO, and I mean, yeah, was, they, they both are, grew up a lot in this one, you know. Yeah, so I think I think maybe that was also part of it too that like they just seemed. We're just kids. We're just a couple of crazy kids. We can't relate to all these adult things. Yeah, we just started a home improvement project. God help us. We're adulting now. It's scary. <laughs> it is. Uh, our next category is the villain. So the villain in this was Aldrich Killian, played by Guy Pierce, And his end goal, it, it was a little murky. It was, it was weird. It was like he like wants to be the guy behind the scenes pulling the strings. Um, and, you know, he wants money and power. They always want money and power. How original. So how many people does his end goal affect? I said just was a two. It affected America's health and happiness. I mean, he's kidnapping the president, and he's you know instilling the vice president as someone that it, you know is going to control America and kind of like tilt it towards his his side. Um, 
you know, America's a big part of the world, obviously. But for me, in this movie, it just seemed contained, you know, to America's health and happiness. Now, maybe later on, you know, it affects the world if he's if he's successful. But for me, like in this film, it just affects it affects it too. And I think we just, uh, I mean, I think you you bring up a good point. I think we just looked at it a little bit differently. Um, I look on it as it's it's starting in America, but he's he's creating weapons. Which again, anybody who's creating weapons, it's rarely ever contained to a single country. And specifically, he's weaponizing people, which the repercussions of that people who explode. I mean, that's pretty. It's pretty daunting. Yeah. Um, so I actually gave him a score of three. I said that it impacts the world's health and happiness. I don't think Aldrich Killian's going into space anytime soon, so I don't think we have to worry about it traveling outside of the world. <laughs> yeah, you, you, but it wasn't in the video, but you talked about it. Like it didn't, you know, didn't make it was cut on the ed- editing floor. But you talked about him hooking up with NASA and stuff, and I was like, Mike, I didn't even think about that. Like you know, because if he has a president. Wow, I talked about that? Yeah, yeah. You talked about it. That was so insightful. You said, said, oh, you know, well, he has nothing with NASA, so it's not multiple worlds, health and happiness. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, that'd be scary. Yeah, well, there you go. So if he was hooked up with NASA, things would be different, but he's not. And as far as I know, he can't travel into space on his own. So just a score of three right now. One world's health and happiness, which is our world, so it's kind of serious, but. Yeah. Uh, next up is how strong is the villain compared to the hero? So I gave him a score of three. I said he is stronger than our hero. Um, Tony Stark's dealing with some baggage right now. He's got panic attacks, and he's he's kind of freaking out at times. Um, meanwhile, Aldrich Killian is breathing fire, so, you know, there's that. And I just figured he's he is a little bit stronger this time around. See, now, I gave him a two. I said he was equal to the hero. Uh, because Tony Stark was, was I guess, de- dealing, with some, dealing with some issues, and, like, he was never really at full strength when he was fighting Killian. Like, you know, like, when they first got him... At his house, you know, they caught him off guard. And uh, then, you know, he doesn't have his Iron Man suit and he's got to go to the hardware store and get a bunch of things to, to take to infiltrate the Mandarins. And then when he takes on the Mandarin, again, in uh, on the freighter, it's kind of just a bunch of, like, prototype suits. And he can never really fully get into one for long enough to kind of take him on, I feel like. Uh, you know, he's kind of fighting Aldrich Killian on Aldrich Killian's ground. Um, also, something I wanted to bring up was when we talked about the Red Skull and we talked about Captain America... Mm-hmm. You said that they were, uh, the Red Skull was slightly weaker than Captain America, even though they both had the super soldier serum in them, because you said Captain America had something to fight for. Mm-hmm. Now, Aldrich Killian is only really fighting for money and power. Tony Stark is fighting for the love of his life. He is fighting for Pepper Potts, and you know he's fighting for something better. So wh- how come Tony Stark isn't elevated to that level? Because for Tony Stark, he is dependent on a suit. His suits also aren't functioning great, and... Him, aside from the suit, is having he's having panic attacks, and he's not on his A game as a human being right now. On top of that, all his gadgets aren't on their A game, so he's not in his best self in either respect. Um, Aldrich Killian has messed with himself genetically so that he can breathe fire, and he doesn't need a suit. He doesn't like. It's as if he's been injected with a super soldier serum and it's now a part of him. He's not as dependent on outside forces. Whereas Tony Stark and what makes him very human and to a degree relatable is the fact that he is as much as an average person as one can be for a superhero in that he's kind of like Batman. It's not that he himself is a superhero in some sort of like genetically modified way it's the fact that he's just 
a genius who found a way to become a superhero with gadgets. Okay, I buy that. Uh, so do you care about the villain? Um, now, I gave him a two in this. I said he's annoying enough that I wouldn't mind seeing him dead. Uh, I don't necessarily... He almost got hate out of me from that one moment that you talked about in the video with uh, where Pepper Pot Potts falls and you said, I would have caught him. Um, you know, that was definitely, uh, you know, a dick thing to say. But I just, I didn't hate him, I guess, throughout the whole throughout the whole thing. And that was just a, kind of like a small moment of, all right, all right, kick this guy's ass, this guy needs to die. Um, it wasn't necessarily hate. I, I, on the other hand, did hate him. I mean, really, it was, I, I'd say he was probably a two throughout the majority of the film. But that moment where Pepper Potts is falling and he is just in his smarmy, obnoxious, arrogant way, says, I'd catch her, that that took it up to the next level for me. I mean, he, he hadn't earned it until that moment, but that moment definitely earned it. Yep, definitely earned it. Uh, for villain bang ability, I mean, I think now is the time to just to bring it up the fact that we only have a villain bang ability category because of Loki, so <laughs> that's really why that's in that's in here. So and far, that was really for me. Let's be honest. Yeah, and so far he's been the only bangable villain. Um, yep. I think there might be one or two coming up later on, maybe in phase three, some more bangable villains. Um, but right now, I mean, I gave him I gave him a zero. Yeah, I gave him a zero too. Um, I mean, Guy Pierce has a nice body. He's not a bad looking guy. They make a point of showing off his abs, and he's obviously worked hard on them. But this is a case of bad personality ruins a beautiful body. So his personality sucks, and I don't want to bang him. I don't, you need to go so far as to call him a beautiful body, but, you know. It's well, just... no, I, th I think it's an important emphasis, though, because I think people so often think of, especially in Hollywood, how important the physical beauty of a person is. And it is very important in Hollywood. It's, it's sometimes appallingly important. But I think it's very important to identify the fact that even a great physical beauty with a terrible personality will not be attractive. Now it's time for definitely not a commercial. This is not a commercial. This is not associated with definitely not definitive in any, any way, shape, or form. But personal flaws. Do you feel like sometimes maybe you can't relate to your friends? That you're just a little bit too perfect and that there's nothing wrong with you? Well, you know what? Go out and get yourself a personal flaw. And, you know, whether that be an anxiety disorder or whether that be... Um, bad with women. Bad with women. That's a real winner. Yeah, that's a, that's a great... That's a great... Again, she's hijacking my commercials. Always hijacking my commercials. But go out and get yourself a, a personal flaw and maybe then you'll be able to be someone that we can all relate to and is not so perfect and not such a superhero. Personal flaws. So next up are side characters. And there are a bunch of side characters in this movie. Um... We have Maya, who is the botanist turned Killian's henchwoman. We have Harley, the adorable child. Happy, Jarvis, the Mandarin, and of course, Rhodey. Yeah, so for Maya, the botanist, uh, I gave her a one. I said she was there just basically for the plot and kind of, you know, to introduce us to uh, the extremists. And um, yeah, and then she, you know, she goes and she kind of like helps Aldridge Killian kidnap Pepper Potts. And so, you know, she's kind of just... There as a little henchman. I also gave Maya a score of one, uh, as well as Rhodey. I thought that they were both there because the plot had some holes and they were really just filling in filling in some exposition for us. Yeah, and 
So I had to defend Rhodey in, in the video, but I didn't really get a chance to defend him too much. Uh, we were running kind of long in our, in our video, so I had to cut some of my some of my Rhodey defense for him. But you talked about how you only thought he was buddy-buddy with Iron Man in the last scene. Because the last scene, you really see their connection. And uh, where Iron Man, the suit comes for Iron Man, and you know, Rhodey's like, oh yeah, hook me up, hook me up. He's like, oh sorry, they're only programmed to me. And then Rhodey's got to get like carried by an Iron Man suit. Um, and where Tony Stark's trying to shoot out a light and he can't do it and Rhodey does it in one shot. You know, their banter back and forth there. But there's also other banters, you know, that it was in the restaurant when they were talking about the difference between War Machine and Iron Patriot and which name sounds cooler. And then in the car when he's calling up Rhodey and uh, Rhodey's at, like, you know, trying to take down, infiltrate where they think the Mandarin's at. And, you know, he talks to him about, they're talking about his password and he says War Machine rocks. Uh, so I thought they had a little bit more witty banter than, than you gave him credit for. I think it just didn't stick out to me in this movie the way that it did in the second movie. And maybe because the second movie that that recasting of Rhodey had made such a huge difference. Uh, and really, like, Don Cheadle really brought this character alive in a way that uh, um, Terrence, Terrence Howard. Howard. I kept wanting to say ter- something Terrence, but it's Terrence Howard. Uh, in a way that Terrence Howard just really hadn't in the first movie. And I don't want to knock Terrence Howard too badly because, I, I mean, I think part of that was also the, the role was just significantly smaller in the first one. But in this one, it, it just didn't... Um, it didn't have the wow effect that the second movie had when like Don Cheadle came on the scene and their their instant chemistry and connection and I mean it just there was an electricity between those two actors that flew and it just it just didn't happen in this movie and maybe my expectation was too high because of that maybe maybe you're a little harsher on Rhodey than than that's happened to me that actually that that happened to me with the soundtrack I think um, that's why I had a high expectation for soundtrack and so I think I rated it a, a little bit lower because of that. Yeah, it's not, it's not being hard on them, per se. It's just sort of like when a bar has been set so high, I'm looking for you to exceed the bar. Yeah. So, like, meeting it or falling below the bar is just kind of like, meh. It's when you exceed it that I'm like, oh, I need to bump you up in points. Okay. But uh, Rhodey got a two for me. So, for once, you know, I'm the one that's defending Rhodey and giving them the higher score. Rhodey's, Rhodey's gone up in the world. Uh so, Rhodey got a two, Happy got a two, Jarvis got a two, and Harley the Kid got a two. Uh, so, those are those are the ones that I think that they make the hero more likable and relatable. Um, obviously, with Jarvis, it's, you know, we think it's kind of like a work-friend relationship. Yeah. Um, Jarvis has become more of a... He's, he's still, obviously, the computer talking, but he's become more personified and more human-esque in, in this version. And um, he really brings out sort of that look Tony Stark can have both people friends and co-workers I mean because in the first movie they set him up as somebody who doesn't play well with others yeah and yet here he is he's playing well with others who would have thought and Happy's been his best friend for since forever and you know he's, he was there from since the first for the first Iron Man movie um and his getting hurt by the Mandarin is kind of the catalyst for Tony Stark uh, taking action against them yeah Happy I mean and even the name conjures this thought in my head, but Happy's kind of like that loyal dog. If Happy were an animal, he'd be a golden retriever, and he would always be at Tony Stark's side. True. And uh, I think that's just kind of, that's that's what he brings to, to Tony Stark. I mean, um, I always think a guy's more attractive when he has a dog, for sure. <laughs> and I think uh, 
in in the best possible sense, Happy is Tony Stark's dog. He's loyal to to no end. Um, he's just absolutely he adores Tony Stark. He sees nothing but the best in him. Um, and that might sound like an insult, but actually, if you know Bethany at all, you'll know that she loves dogs kind of more than she loves people. So saying true. that you're that Happy's like a dog is actually a very big compliment to him. Yeah, it's probably the biggest compliment I can give someone. So, yes. um, I I mean, he just he brings that that energy and that sort of um oh what's the word i'm i'm looking for je ne sais quoi no No, the um it's like right on the tip of my tongue and i can't say it love without without strings um oh uh oh now i know what you're talking about right it's like it's right there unconditional love thank you unconditional yeah uh so i think happy really brings out the element of unconditional love in a way for tony stark that you know we don't see tony stark's family so happy's kind of filling that niche for us and for harley uh i almost gave him a three because he he's funny in this one but as i said in the video he kind of sets up the jokes more than um delivering on the jokes he had like one or two good ones in there uh but i think you said it better when you said he kind of helps us understand how tony stark's dealing with like the anxiety yeah um harley really is kind of our eyes into that because tony stark is putting on a brave face for everybody in his world uh, but Harley's outside of his world. He's this random kid in like Iowa or some, I can't even remember where they are, but I mean, small town kid who finds an element of connection with Iron Man through their tinkering. Um, but really it's, it's through his eyes that we see how vulnerable Iron Man really is. Cause finally in front of the kid, he's letting the guard down, whether he wants to or not, it's happening for the Mandarin. I gave him a three. I thought he was obviously there for the humor, and without him, it's not. It's not. It's not as funny. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. Ben King- Kingsley has always been one of those actors that you associate with heavy dramas and and Academy Award style films mm-hmm. that are you know he's he's your Oscar actor. Um, so seeing him in a role like this, which is hilarious absurd ridiculous he's an imbecile and Mm -hmm. and even bathroom humor i mean it's so far from what our perception of ben kingsley the actor is that it in addition to it being a brilliant performance it was just delicious to watch him take this sort of alternate style role yeah and one of the flip the flip of the mandarin from being you know who we thought was going to be the ultimate villain uh into actually just being you know uh as you said in the video, just a, a, the Wizard of Oz uh, man behind the curtain. That was one of the great twists in this film, and it's one of the reasons that the plot got a three from me. It was deliciously unexpected. Yeah, I also agree with that. I gave the plot a score of three as well, and it was it was the twists and turns that really made it made it a lively movie to watch. Something else I thought was very interesting is that now that Marvel has uh, Wolverine and the X-Men and uh, the whole mutant world at their disposal, uh, something in this movie kind of made me think that, okay, they could kind of use this movie as a launching point into getting the X-Men mutants around because Aldrich Killian, when he's talking about extremists, he's talking about there's like this uh, part of the human, I think he's talking about the human brain or human DNA or human coding that like is empty. There's just an, an empty vessel that like, you know, we're incomplete and we can, you know, we can help make ourselves be better. And, you know, there's, we can evolve. He's talking about evolution. And that's kind of like what, you know, the mutant 
uh, is, is, is it's like the next, supposed to be, the, you know, according to Magneto, it's the next phase in uh, human evolution. And um, so I thought they set that up in this one. I think they're, I think they might bring it in. It's, I heard talks about like, you know, Doctor Strange and Madness in the Multiverse is when they're going to try to introduce uh, the X-Men. But I thought they set it up in, at least in this one where they could use this, you know, because I mean, they, they do regeneration. They do, you know, people can have different powers, you know, unlocking that one uh, aspect of, of their their code that hasn't been unlocked. Um, you know, I think that they kind of set it up a little bit in this one. Well, they definitely have... Uh... It's been leaked that there are discussions to have X-Men come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in, uh, I believe it's Phase 5 of mm. the Marvel films. So we shall see if, if that comes to fruition. Hopefully Sony doesn't bungle that. Or Fox doesn't bungle that the way uh, Sony well, is yeah, bungling they, they, Spider-Man. Fox isn't going to be able to bungle it because they, they, just, they just sold the rights to him. So, like, I mean, there's no, like... Sony had... had uh, so we're recording this one right when we find out that, that um, Sony and Marvel have uh, and Disney. So it's really Sony and Disney. Um, they can't come to agreements on Spider-Man, and so Spider-Man is no longer going to be in the MCU. At, like at least as of now, as of you know today's date when we're filming this um, in August. Which, uh, not to uh, I don't want to get ahead or, or create any spoilers, but. If you are caught up with the Marvel movies as they have been released up until end of August in 2019, then you will know that this will have a pretty profound and sweeping impact on what Marvel has been setting up, specifically with their last two films, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home and... uh, Endgame. Endgame. Yep. Uh, All right, so moving on to female empowerment. What role do women play in this film? Uh, I said three without a strong move from a woman that, you know, victory would not have happened. And Piper Potts is, you know, obviously the one who takes down Aldrich Killian. And I said uh, that this movie gets a score of four, which is female lead is the true hero because Iron Woman saves the day. She doesn't turn in, she doesn't turn into Iron Woman in this one. I mean, she's, I guess she does use the Iron Man suit a little uh-huh. bit in the end. Yeah, she uh-huh. does. She does. Okay. He keeps trying to undercut the women, but I'm here to keep him in check. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm trying to keep undercutting the women, uh-huh. all right? Oh, yeah, because Scarlet Black Widow didn't do anything at the end of Avengers. You know, she just, she was just there. She was just there. She was just holding the stick, and, you know, the professor was doing all the work, and she was just pushing a stick through a little portal. <laughs> Y'all can't see my face right now, but you know the face I'm making. Yeah. Uh, moving on to soundtrack. Good segue there, baby. <laughs> Thanks. I thought it was flawless. Yeah. Soundtrack got a one for me. There's one or two good tunes in there. Uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier that I think that I was a little bit harder on the soundtrack just because one, there was, I don't think there was one ACDC song in there and that's become his calling card as an ACDC song. Again, if you cop the iron with, with all the MCU movies, they even bring that back in Spider-Man Far From Home, you know, how essential ACDC is to, to Iron Man. I gave soundtrack a score of three. I said it's a driving force behind the scenes in the movie. Um, and this for me was, uh, when I when I looked at this, it wasn't the fact that the songs were hugely recognizable or radio hits. It was just the fact that they really seemed to elicit the right emotional response at the right times in the scenes to just really further suck you into what was going on. Yeah, I mean... Which is technically... It says it's a driving force behind the, the scenes in, in the movie, yeah. I mean, because you talked about how uh, the music was appropriate. And I don't know if appropriate is what I'm looking for in my soundtrack. I just, I, I mean, I, I, want my, I want the soundtrack to, to really pump me up and get me, get me motivated, get me jazzed. 
Well, and I think, I mean, this is in, in some ways where we can, I don't know, maybe have a revisiting on some of our lingo because we have made some adjustments recently on, on some later of our filmings because mm-hmm. we had some issue with the female lead is the true hero versus a true hero, which comes up in one of our later later YouTube videos. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, there's room to adjust the language, but to me... A driving force behind the scenes in the movie, it could be a hit, but it could also just be a really great underscore that really helps to take me on the journey. And I think that's yeah. what this soundtrack did. Is it, it just it really helps take me on the journey and feel all the right emotions at the right times. It it manipulated me the way it was supposed to manipulate me. So now it's time for definitely not a commercial. This is not a product that is in any way, shape, or form associated or affiliated or in any manner connected to us in any way. But deodorant. It's obviously something that we should all be using on a daily basis. It's important for bodily odor and basic hygiene. But also, when your insides are kind of like molten lava, it becomes essential to have a deodorant plus antiperspirant because things are gonna get sweaty. So deodorant. Personally, I like Dove, but use anything as long as you use it. I was wondering where you were going with that one. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go put some deodorant on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made your point, all right. I was like, like, where is she going with this? But I didn't interrupt, I did not interrupt your commercial. Baby, if you feel the need, you can hijack my commercial anytime you like. I know, I know. Next up is Number of moments that made me laugh, chuckle, smile knowingly. Iron Man 3 gets a decent score. Not not our highest, not our lowest. It's a pretty high and respectable. I think it's, it's our second highest um, to date right now. I think, you know, my, for me, you got a 37. Uh, Avengers got a 53. But I think 37 is the highest score out of any of the other, other movies besides Avengers. High and respectable. Um, <laughs> I give it a score of 38. So I actually give it one more than you. That you did. Um, you know, everyone kind of contributed to this. Obviously, the Mandarin did. Um, but, you know, Tony Stark and the kid were really funny. They brought back the robot, and that was great. Um, Love the robot. Yeah. Robot didn't make our side characters, though, because, I mean, he was really only in that one scene, and then, you know, they kind of goes to the bottom of the ocean. No, they dig him back up. They do. Yeah, they, they, they do dig him back it's up. It's important to know that. That was important to me. They dug him back up. They did. Yeah, I know. So, uh, but I think he's got attachments to, uh, you know, non-animate not yeah non-living but like still animated i don't know how to say it like because like i'm thinking about the cloak in in, in dr strange i love the cloak I know. <laughs> if anything ever happens to that cloak i'm gonna be so upset i, I would cry um but this is iron man 3 this isn't this isn't dr strange so next up is visual effects and i thought this was definitely big screen worthy um i thought that the visual effects of Tony Stark playing uh the monkeys in a barrel with all everyone that's falling out of the plane I thought that was that that was really cool, um, and yeah, I, I, you know the fight scenes were were really great in this in this one, and that was one of the reasons it was visually appealing. And then also, you know, just the, the cool technology that that Tony Stark always brings up in in all of his movies is great. I actually gave it one one score higher. Um, I said that it it was a score of four, which was you know I had a few eyegasms through this movie, um, and I think that. One of them that really was interesting to me was uh, when Killian does the the effect of showing his brain on screen to Pepper Potts. Um, and we've seen, obviously, some very cool CGI with all of Tony Stark's things, but 
to put the human brain up there and have him mapping the brain in the air was one just really interesting but two the actors did such a brilliant job with it because I mean again you know that wasn't really there that's all CGI so they did a fantastic job selling it next up is love story so um I know you've been a fan of Pepper Potts and Tony Stark in the past. I've always been on the on the skeptic side, but yeah, it, it, they've it, won me over. Yeah, it fluctuated. You know, I think what re- they continued off of Avengers. In Avengers, they're seen together. They were just so perfect, and mm-hmm. their banter was great. They were comfortable with each other. Yep. And you bought them as a couple, and uh, that just like built off of that one, off of Avengers into this. And so I give it a four. I said these two ever break up, you know, Marvel getting the email from me. She me some ugly crying, and I'm just gonna be super pissed. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think that uh, this this is my Marvel couple right now. Yeah, they they are the Marvel couple, for sure. And I think they I'm trying to think of any if anybody kind of surpasses them. I think as a romantic couple, they're probably the top of the of the Marvel list. Um, you know, maybe we'll maybe when we do all the MCU movies, we'll do our uh, our, our power couple rankings um, for for the Marvel movies. As okay. far as as far as that goes, uh, next up is dialogue on our scoring sheet, and I gave dialogue a three. I thought it was sharp. It was clever. It was witty. Uh, you know, that's pretty standard for for the Iron Man movies. I mean, you just come to expect really great dialogue, and a lot of that's because of Robert Downey Jr. and just the way he delivers dialogue and lines. Um, so you know, he really brings it to life. Uh, but yeah, I got a three, and uh, I gave it the same score as well. I also I also said it was worthy of a three. Um, I think we're used to our A-list celebrities acting well and making dialogue seem natural and stuff. I think Robert Downey Jr. just takes it to another level. I mean, you you really don't get the sense that it's scripted with him. Yeah, for sure. And next up are action sequences. So we agreed that there were five main action sequences. And for those, I gave them a score of three, which was I couldn't believe what I was seeing in a good way. I gave it a three as well, which brings uh, action score to 15 because we take the total number of action sequences and we times it by the number uh, that we give it. So five times three is 15 for both of us. Uh, it's a very respectable score. Um, there were, uh, once again, building off of Avengers, they didn't do like two or three big, long action sequences. They kind of did smaller scenes here and there, and then they did the, you know, the one big one at the end. It's kind of been like that now. That's kind of Marvel's, I guess, formula is they do like you know, let's do like a couple little little ones, get them going, and then we'll do the one big one at the end, and that's and I'm I'm okay with that. And our last category is heart. So for this one, I gave it a score of three. I said it gave me warm fuzzies. That's a two. A two is warm fuzzies. Oh, I'm sorry. I gave it a score of two. Yeah, because I fuzzies. I gave it a three. I got a little misty eyed. Uh, you know when Pepper Potts falls, but you you did not get misty eyed at all for Pepper Potts, even though. I don't know. I don't know why. You, you you slept with her, but it didn't mean enough to you to have, you know, drunken... Well, I mean, I was really drunk, so... So you I barely remember it. Exactly. Okay. Um, No, I think... I, I don't... I don't know why it was. I mean, because even in other movies that we've watched that maybe this time around didn't have the whole water in the eyes effect just because I know what's going to happen... Um. I don't recall Pepper Potts giving me that even the first time I watched it. And not because, um, you know, it wasn't well acted or not because I'm not rooting for her and and on her team at this point. Um, I think in large part it it really was 
the shock value of they can't kill her off. <laughs> and by the time that shock is maybe wearing off to like the devastation, they show her and she's a badass. So it's like, oh, see, I told you they couldn't do it. I mean, they just, they can't, they can't kill her off. So. Yeah. So you're almost too pumped up to see Pepper Potts come back and kick Aldridge Killian's ass that like you didn't have time to get sad about that. That's just, I just, I, I don't think I ever, I wasn't ever able to believe that she was really gone. And that's not because they didn't sell it, and that's not because they didn't do a great job. I mean, Tony Stark's face is totally devastating. I mean, they they definitely sell it. It's just me as an audience member is out there in the audience going, you can't do that. Now, this was like pre-Game of Thrones and stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe if I were to watch it now, after George R.R. R. Martin has destroyed my soul, I would buy into the fact that, you know, yeah, they can just go ahead and kill your your power couple or kill your lead hero. Yeah. And for me, if, if, if the love story is good, then the heart's always going to be great. And, uh, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about in the love story actually was that how neither Tony Stark nor Pepper Potts is the, are the settlers. You know, if you watch How I Met Your Mother, they talk about there's always a reacher and a settler. And we felt that, like, they were kind of both on equal ground this one. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's been part of my problem in the, in the past is that there's been this, uh, in the first one, it's, you know, she's this assistant and he's this billionaire playboy genius philanthropist awesome guy so it's always been set up for her to be the reacher and for him to be the settler but what i love about this movie is that she's come into her own in such a wonderful way that they're on equal footing and i believe that they both perceive themselves to be the reachers and therefore they are both striving to be the best for each other that's well put that brings us to our total scores. So my total score for Iron Man 3 was 106. And mine was 112. But we had some deductions to give. Um, we gave it minus five points for a new category, which we called absurdity. Uh, it's just kind of elements in a, in a movie that are just way too over the top. And, you know, they make a joke out of it with their whole breathing fire thing. But it was just, it was just unnecessary. And, you know, they were kind of... It was tongue-in-cheek, like, like, oh, aren't we being so silly? But, uh That's just it. You never want to, as an audience, feel like they're almost over-explaining something or doing a gimmick just for, like, just for the stick of it, just to get the laugh. Like, it makes us feel like you think we're dumb yeah. as the creators. So, Always respect your audience intelligence. That's just it. So the moment where Aldrich Killian breathes fire and Rhodey says, oh, you breathe fire now... Yeah, he's setting up a joke for him, but it was a joke that didn't need to happen, and it seemed kind of like, well, we just need something here, so we're gonna we're gonna do this, and it almost seemed insulting to our intelligence in the audience, and it you don't want to do that. And then I lost another five points for, uh, and we said it was failure to engage, but really kind of was more boredom because I mean, I don't know if that. I think we're invested in in Tony Stark's journey right out right out of the gate. So that's what's failure to engage is. But boredom is kind of when you check out when you're watching the film. And there's there are some some moments where uh, it might drag a little bit um, in in this in this film. So I don't know. I, I don't even know though. But like now, like when I'm thinking about it again, I'm trying to wonder why we gave it a five points. I'm just like, I don't know if it was really. I really consider like you know parts of this film to be boring. I don't know. Do you know why we gave it five minus five for that? Honestly, I don't. Hmm. 
Because I think I think you had the deductions on your sheet first. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Was I? Did it take a while to get started? I don't know. Well, I didn't like the I didn't like the whole the voiceover with with Tony Stark. I know I didn't like that part. Um, and then he, like, he's talking to Bruce Banner at the end, and that's why we're hearing this this voiceover and like him like telling the story. Uh, and so, eh, yeah, maybe it was failure and engaged. So maybe what did take a while for me to get invested in Tony Stark's journey. But I lost five points for something. <laughs> so we gave it minus 10, uh, which brings my total score to 100, uh, 299. Uh, brings my total score to 96. And my score to 102. Which gives us a total score for Iron Man 3 of 99, which puts it in second place right now behind Avengers. Which, at this point, nothing's going to catch Avengers. Yeah, at this point, it, it doesn't look like anything's going to catch it. So far, Iron Man 3 got really close to triple digits, though. Um... You know, it's it it almost it almost broke that barrier. But right now, that that's reserved strictly for Avengers. Uh, coming up next is Thor: The Dark World. So make sure you go ahead and check out that video and check out that podcast as well. Um, you know, obviously our podcasts are free to download on Podbean or uh, iTunes. Um, we're gonna try to get it on Spotify. I think you know maybe by now, Environment Three will already have it on Spotify. So. Uh, yeah, look look out for us for us there. And thanks for tuning in and listening to us. And uh, please go ahead and rank along with us and let us know your thoughts on Iron Man 3 because our score was definitely not definitive.